Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm talking to my friend and fellow performer, Jason Nias, about what it's like to be a professional dancer in our city, the entertainment capital of the world. We get to hear what it's like behind the scenes at shows like Cirque du Soleil and Usher. And Jason also talks about why he started Molati, his own dance company. It's Tuesday, June 13th. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Jason Nias, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you for being on the show. Vigity Vogue, we are here. (laughs) (laughs) So what I love about you, I mean, athlete, phenomenal dancer, entertainer, and I want you to share with our audience, like, tell us one of your favorite experiences performing on the strip because you've done Stomp, you got to dance with Ursha Baby, and you've been in Cirque du Soleil. Which show were you in? I was in Ka. That's how I first got into Cirque du Soleil. I was replacing an acrobat who was out on an injury um, and he had just had surgery. So I got in as an acrobat, which was a little weird to me because I used to be a gymnast back in college, Mm -hmm. NCAA. And then so then you don't do it for about 10 years. You know, you keep up a couple of skills, but you're not training gymnastics. And then they hire you as an acrobat. Yeah. I said, so not stomping, not dancing, not anything else, not an actor. Like they said, no, as an acrobat. I said, whoa, I got in. Ah. Flip, swing on this, (laughs) hang on this, bungee on that. What was that like? How did you feel in that process? Oh my goodness, scared, scared. Because first of all, it was Ka. That stage is crazy. If you've seen Ka. I have not seen. What does the stage look like? It flips upside down. No, it doesn't. (laughs) The stage is an acrobat. It turns up. It spins around. It does. The stage itself does all this acrobatics. And literally, right when you walk into the theater, you're immersed in this whole car world. Like, acrobats are bungeeing down right in front of you as you're walking through the audience. Wow. Acrobats are coming throughout all of the different portals and and floors, the levels, and you're just looking up. You're like, "Am I inside or am I? Where am I right now?" Mm. You know, because it, it's majestic, it's humongous. And then the show starts, and you got this. I think it's about fifteen to seventeen floors worth of performance space, where the stage does all of its things in the middle of it. But then there's five or six more floors down to the basement and then all these floors to get all the way up to the top. It's just massive. Mm. It's huge. So my real answer is, yeah, I was scared. (laughs) (laughs) It was scary. So have you ever had a night performing on the strip that was just like wild and crazy, either on the stage or like off the stage afterwards? Can you tell us a story? (laughs) Let's go to Usher. (laughs) that was dope and i'll tell you this because performing in a lot of shows in in vegas but also on tours all over the world to perform with a superstar he's been around for decades right his Mm -hmm. fan base and to be on stage with him and to feel what he feels all of that energy coming towards you i know it wasn't for me i know it was for him i get it was for you too (laughs) damn it (laughs) I'm up there, you know, I'm dancing next to him, but it's like, yo, when you feel all of that, there was something so special about that. And that's coming from my perspective. I've I've been on a lot of different stages, but 
he he got something special going mm-hmm. on. So that feeling alone, but also we did the immersive experience, which was downstairs. It was very, very, very up close and personal. All these different immersive rooms, right? Like there was a 1920s jazz club. There was a room of mirrors, the hall of mirrors. There was a, uh, the, a strip club, you know, that was kind of modeled is- after the one in... Yeah, this all was all in Usher's show. This was all before Usher's show. So it was a one hour full oh. experience of a theatrical, immersive characters, dancers, okay. performances for his ultimate fans. And they would come down and they would get all of that. And then, of course, some of the nights Usher would come down and he would get down into the middle of the cypher. We had this this backyard like just cipher going on. And that's kind of how we ended that part of the night. Then we rush everybody upstairs to get into the seats and get the concert going, too. So you talk about special. Those were those special nights. And of course, mm. pop stars, rock stars, they like to party afterwards. So there were some after parties, too. So it's, after yeah. the party is the after party. OK, <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, what's the performance scene like for Vegas for professional dancers? So. Dancers who start studying dance at a young age, they go to studios, they go to all these competitions, they win for their tap, jazz, modern ballet and all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. A dancer growing up and then choosing Vegas versus a New York or versus another city which is going to present dance in like ballet on a stage or some other type of company, a dance company, an African dance company. Right. You get to Vegas. One dancers get ready to show some skin. Because mm. that's what's happening. Vegas is all about that adult playground. So mm. they like it sexy. So dancers get ready to show some skin. Um, I would say a good 75 to 80 percent of the jobs are going to be in that range. Right. Even if it's not like, you know, it's not all stripping or nude, but it's going to be a sexy sexified version of your body is on display. You know, yeah. not just your talent, but your body is on display. So I think. Dancers should know that when they come to this city looking for work, Mm. first of all. Second of all, I think there's such a huge variety of opportunities for dancers here. There's a lot of different types of shows, you know, Donnie, you had all of the Cirque shows. That's one type. And I think it would be good that dancers, if they don't already have some type of acrobatic ability, at least their flexibility, but really start getting used to hanging in the air, start getting used to doing some (laughs) silks and some straps and ropes or maybe jump on a trampoline maybe try a little bit of tumbling because that's going to make you a little bit more valuable in this city because people who come here kind of expect that so you want to not just be a single threat you kind of want to be a triple threat at least so your skills should be diverse if you want to book some of the jobs here because it's also competitive yeah what's fun about that too is that now we see like offshoots of that there's like studios where you can practice with silks even if you're not a professional that's the gift we get from our dancers Yep. And the new thing, you know, is the poles. Right. Pole fitness. Yep. I can't do it, but, you know, respect. <laughs> respect to the Vogue pole on fitness. a pole doing a flag. I want to see it. Yeah, you know, that's not my gift. That's Come not my on. gift. curious like how has the the dance scene changed over the past few years you say few years i've been here 16 years already you know and so being here that long you you see the major shifts you see the old shows close valleys jubilee Mm -hmm. follies you know you see the older types of entertainment close and i think that goes with some of the 
the dance and the skill sets as well. You know, I think some a lot of dance and I think just by popular culture, hip hop has influenced popular culture so much that now you want hip hop in your repertoire. You just Mm. need it. You need some type of isolation, some locking, a little bit of this, you know, maybe some groundwork. If you've never B-boy to B-girl before, you know, like you kind of want to push your limits of what you've learned and keep on learning and expanding your dance repertoire. Do you have you seen like an increase of dance companies in the city? Companies, no. I've seen a lot of single people getting gigs, right? Mm. And they go for because you want to make a living. You want to make a living doing what you do. Right. So, and this happens to also be a hub, probably the number one hub in the world for corporate events. All True. of those corporations, <laughs> Fortune 500 are always going to have their national conventions here. And so you get a lot of one-nighters events that a lot of dancers and entertainers can get hired for throughout the year. It's mm-hmm. almost nonstop. Yeah. So yes. if you get in that cycle, you know, you're you're pretty good. Get a lot of experience. That gig life, man. It's It's got to be rough on our dancers, though. I mean, I wonder, like, what are... What are the other types of jobs that dancers do in Vegas? I think about the type of the actor who's by day they're a server and then at night <laughs> at night they're doing auditions and stuff like that. And these are just things that, you know, television shows have taught me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the truth. When I lived in New York, that was the truth, especially throughout the 90s, early 2000s, before Uber and Lyft. Now... You can turn uh, on your job. You don't have to do an eight hour shift or ask somebody to cover your shift. Uber and Lyft is a lifesaver for these type of gig entertainers. And in a city like this, where it's always going to be packed, everybody's coming to and from the airport and all these casinos, you're going to stay working and you have the choice to turn the app on or turn it back off. So I think that's one of the main ones that people started gravitating towards because of the schedule, the flexibility with controlling your schedule and then going on auditions, going on a gig and not feeling bad about it and not needing somebody to cover your waiter shift. That's true. I have a homegirl who's also, she's a visual artist, but I was like, what else do you do? She was like, girl, lift. And I was like, okay, but what else? She was like, lift. And then I paint. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I I just can't imagine. There was, there was so much up down with getting us Uber and Lyft because of the taxi companies and everything. So yeah. it's, it's dope to see like people are finding their way to having some kind of independence or interdependence with this this one type of job and their passion Mm -hmm. so i mean you said 16 years of being here what do you feel like was missing from the vegas dance scene that made you want to start your company because you got you got a company you got a dance crew give me some molodi (laughs) molati if you're nasty so tell us about it and and why So I started this company back in college, actually. College was Albuquerque, New Mexico, University of New Mexico. A few of my friends, we found ourselves six years later in Vegas doing stomp together because we just love stepping, love stomping, right? So we started way back then, went on pause as we all just kind of graduate, move around the world, take on other jobs. And then we come back, we meet up here. And we always wanted to keep doing it, you know, so Stomp was one show and we were getting parts of it out. But, you know, when you're just a creative, especially when you're young, you just want to get out there and just create some more. So we're at the gym, 24 hour fitness in the middle of the night after shows. And we're there from midnight to two in the morning, practicing, what? creating new things. And these were the early years. Right. I don't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> I don't do I know. that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're creating things. And then we start looking around and we see that at that time there were a lot of uh, these midnight cabarets 
after shows, these Cirque people, you know, different people around town, they would host these events where cabarets. So you get clowns, you get comedians, you get dancers, you get acrobats, you get mm. us. So now we had a, a place, a venue to showcase another 10 minute piece, another five minute piece. And then we yeah. just kind of started getting invited around town to come and give them some more. So we're clapping, we're stomping, we're getting the cl- the crowd like rocking and, ah, you know, just kind of getting them hype, hype at like one in the morning, you know? Yes. So that used to be a regular thing here. You know what that reminds me of is what they, what they tell me about what the Moulin Rouge culture was like, because mm. it was post the big, the shows on the strip. And then all the entertainers were still, your, the adrenaline is still there. I would not be mad if, if more of that culture came back to Vegas. I'm sure there's some still floating around. And then, of course, I've kind of, you know, grown, <laughs> grown a little older. So, but yeah, like that was the magic of Vegas, especially when I first got here. They were, it was always happening. It was mm-hmm. always happening. So can you break down what is Molati's style? Yeah, it's it's a fusion. It's a mixture of styles of body percussion. So, yeah, stepping is probably our core, Mm -hmm. but stepping, you're going to have a lot of formations. You're going to stay in a certain line. Your arms are going to hit these right angles and these sharp movements. Right. I say body percussion because it really just expands and includes a little more musicality, Mm -hmm. less, less choreographed movement with your body and more about the listening experience. Now we're giving half and half. We're giving both. We're giving backflips in the middle of the show. We're we're making formations oh and gosh. doing a, a V and a triangle and a line and a this and that. So, but we also like to include the audience. So it's not just a you sit and watch me and then golf clap when you're done. It's like <laughs> you're included and because clapping or stomping or just patting on your body is something that anybody can do. And so we like to include that element to just kind of connect even more. Yeah. And it was funny because I feel like I learned about step just because there were fraternities and sororities at my college in San Diego where like I saw a few step shows. So can you share a little bit about that tradition of step? Stepping from the black fraternity sorority tradition, you know, it's it's a unifying thing. It's a prideful thing. It's a competitive thing. Right. (laughs) So on these campuses, when you see a real step show and they're going in, they go hard. So typical step shows your group. So say you're one fraternity or one sorority, you would get about up to 12. I think the max would be about 15 minutes in -hmm. those 12 to 15 minutes. You're going hard. It's a full out thing. It's a full muscle, full tension, full voice, full everything. There's no relaxing. Or as we say, there's no half stepping. Ah. You know, there's lots of competition, but it's all good competition. You know, it's good and and heartfelt. Yeah. And that combination, I feel like you, I see elements of body percussion anytime I see a step show anyways, whether it's people doing movements between their hands and their mouth and doing the like the hand you do Mm -hmm. it, but I cannot do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> so do adding those noises or everybody just the unifying movement of a clap even all together has so much more power. It's always that combination of what can your body do? So we're not working with drums, but your body is the drum. Exactly that. Your body is the drum, you know. So going back historically, 1739 um in South Carolina, there was the Stono Rebellion where African enslaved Africans, they rebelled, they took to the streets and they broke free. They went on a killing spree and they were on their way to freedom, going south towards Florida, because at that time, Spain owned owned Florida and they had promised freedom. And so it eventually it wasn't successful because some miles down the road, they were caught and they were either returning to slavery or killed or beaten or 
all of the above, right? So hmm. because of that, the state of South Carolina enacted the Negro Act the very next year in 1740. And that act made it illegal, illegal, like by law now on the papers, on the books by law for any African, enslaved African to have, own or play a drum. Wow. A lot more restrictions other than drumming, but yes, the drum. And that's where it affected our art form. And that would affected our culture, right? Because I've been to 13 different African countries in my life. Of the 54, I've traveled a lot, right? And drumming is everywhere. So when you mm. take that away, it's like breathing. Like, yo, this is so natural and necessary and part of our bloodline. So when you take it away, what do we start doing? We, re we recreate it on our bodies. We make do with what we have. And that's where spoons or the washboards or just making rhythms on anything around mm -hmm. us became a thing. So early forms of tap dance, buck dancing, padding juba, ham bone, things like that started emerging because we're sitting back in the tool sheds. We're, we got to do something. We got these rhythms. We got these beats going on in us. So we start putting them on our bodies, in our pats, in our claps, in our stomps, in our shouts. And it comes out in all these different ways that have morphed and changed over the years. And then so stepping is an offshoot. It's a byproduct of that. So these fraternities and sororities, you make do with what you have. If we were not being allowed into the white fraternities and sororities when we were finally allowed to start going to school, right? We yeah. started creating our own. So in 1906, you have the very first one, Alpha Phi Alpha. And from there, you have the Divine Nine who've all contributed their own style of stepping. But it's all without the drums. It's all just our bodies. And it just, that alone, this style of dance tells the a story of resilience of African-Americans. I heard this one um, sommelier talk about wine should be a grocery. It shouldn't be this whole high, elevated, bougie thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody should be able to just pick it up just like you pick up the milk and the eggs and the wine and the this. So yes. we want dance to be understood as this accessible communal thing that happens anywhere and everywhere at any given time. You know, I know a lot of us are like, especially with all these cameras everywhere, right? They get scared that they're going, oh, no, I can't dance. I can't dance as good as you. I can't dance as good as that person. Right. No, we want to take that fear away and just kind of activate everybody to remember that their their movement is dance, you know, how mm. they vibe, how they feel. It doesn't have to look but like you know, Beyonce's dancers, you you move, you dance the way that you move. And let's kind of like bring that back into the community and just how we walk down the street. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting swag. when you see somebody bopping today, they're like, yo, just bring it back. So just to take away a little of that fear, I think it's going to bring some more joy, you know, to the community. I would love that to be, you know, like not just on the strip, but like just bleed out into all over Las Vegas and Henderson. Yeah, that's the dream. Yeah. Jason, thank you so much for being on CityCast Las Vegas. We appreciate you. I love you, man. I love you too. Biggity Vogue. Yes. <laughs> I'll see you. If you'd like to see Jason and Molotti in action, head over to the Discovery Museum's Juneteenth event. It's on Saturday, June 17th at 10 a.m. Molotti will perform and lead an all-ages workshop, so be sure to head over. Before you go, a few things you should know. 
The Plaza in downtown Las Vegas has debuted their year-long, multi-million dollar Main Street reimagination project. The newly renovated area includes a carousel-themed bar, an outdoor rooftop patio for Oscar's Steakhouse, and downtown Las Vegas' only smoke-free gaming space. Also, did y'all know Nevada tribes are part of a national movement to advocate for the return of their ancestors' remains, emphasizing the importance of cultural preservation and respect for Native American heritage? Many tribes are still facing bureaucratic hurdles and lack of cooperation from institutions holding their ancestors' remains. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, go text this episode to a friend and post it on your social media. Tag us. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Okay, we're going to make some sad attempts to find my rhythm. Come on. We got to do an activity because we got to let people hear what it sounds like. So you, okay. can you lead me through like a quick activity? Hmm. All right. Quick. Let's do hit your chest and then snap and then clap. So those three beats. One, two, three. One, two, three. This is what it sounds like if you put the first and the second part together. You got okay. hit, snap, clap. Snap, hit, snap, hit, clap. So all you're doing is this. You're You're already making a song just from those two parts, right? That was amazing. We ain't gonna mess up what you just did right there. (laughs) 